Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Let's see what 6G is, and, and most importantly, why we still are in 5G Techvitory, or maybe we're not anymore. So, please welcome Chairman of the Governing Board at 6G Infrastructure Association, Colin Wilcock, back as a moderator. So, I'm afraid it's... Oh, I'm afraid I'm a bit loud. I'm afraid it's me again, so you're just going to have to put up with it. Um, yes, 5D Tech Tree, we might have to think about the name at some point, but not today. So, we're going to have a panel about the future. But I think the first point which is important to make is it is the future, it's not now. The, the technology of today is 5G, and 5G is actually only at the start of its story. So let's make sure we're clear on the timeline. 5G is a technology for today. We've then got 5G Advance, which we're just beginning to standardise in Release 18 in, through GWP, and that will be with us for the next seven to eight years as the key technology. But what we want to talk about in this panel is 6G. And 6G will be the next technology. And we're talking about deployment in 2030, maybe a little bit after 2030. I apologize if I've just ruined your poll by giving you. Um, but then things might change. Maybe, maybe it will come earlier or later. Um, but again, the, the point is that these mobile communications networks are incredibly complicated. And we actually need an incredibly long time between the first research and the actual deployment of industry quality networks. And that really takes 10 years. So that means even though we're talking about 2030, 2030 plus for deployment, now is the time to start talking about research issues, concepts, requirements, so that we'll have that technology ready in 2030. So maybe we don't need to change the name of this conference this year. Maybe, maybe we can leave it till next year or the year afterwards. Um, the second point I'd like to make is we have a number of, of, of wonderful panellists who will be discussing 6G or giving their opinions of 6G. But it is about their personal opinions of 6G and what it will be. It's not representing the organisation or anything else. And what I'd like to do is... In a similar lazy way as I did this morning, I would like each of the panellists to actually introduce themselves. But there is some rationale behind that. And the, the rationale is trying to understand the organisation they're representing, but also the direction they're coming from. Because obviously your view of what 6G should be is actually to some extent influenced by how you see the world and who you are representing. So let me quickly talk about who's on the panel. We have one person who's bothered to come physically here, and I very much appreciate that, Uwe Bader, who is Director of International Relations and Public Affairs at Roland Schwarz. We then have four, hopefully four, remote people. Uh, Miko Usitalo, who's Head of Research Department at Nokia Bell Labs. Jacques Magan, who's Senior Project Manager at Australio. Benar Berani, who's Deputy Head of Unit Future Connectivity Systems at the European Commission, DG Connect, and Hugo Talberg, Tal who's Principal Researcher at Ericsson. So we have 
let's have let's let's indeed let's have a clap for all these wonderful people. So I've given names and affiliations, but let's go um, round the panel and let them introduce themselves, their organisations, but also their activities in 6G or 6G research and the sort of direction they come from. So, um, Uwe, maybe we can start with you, sir. Yes, hello, Colin, and uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here on that panel and in wonderful Riga uh, to open the discussion on, on 6G. Uh, I'm from a company called Rodan Schwarz. We do uh, test and measurement equipment for all the ICT and the electronic world. And from my relation to the uh, communication systems we are talking about is that I started actually as a standards engineer uh, with 3G, went to 4G, 5G, so I went through a couple of these cycles of technologies, now ending up with 6G. And uh, yeah, very true, uh, you need some time which is in the preparation before standard, which is the research, we need to write the standard, we need to correct it, we need to implement it. And this takes a couple of time, probably years, 10 years, it could be eight years, 10 years, in that ballpark. So this is usually the time we need to have for each generation. And so we need this time to uh, come up with a standard to implement it. So the difference that we see actually with 5G and 6G is that it gets much more attention in the public because we are aware that this mobile communication impacts so many parts of our lives. And that is why, at least in my view, we see as already when we are in this research phase, the interest from politicians in the society and this technology is much earlier than in the Gs and in the generations that we had before. And that is probably why we see that this topic is coming up now more present in an earlier phase uh, in our discussion, which is per se not bad because uh, we need to understand the technology to build up trust in it. And on the other hand, we need to be very careful with it, not to overhype the topic, because it's a long run. And probably that would be enough for the introduction, and we can have a lot of more discussion with all the panelists later on. Super, appreciate that. Then maybe I could ask Miko to briefly introduce himself. Miko? Yes, hello, everybody. Miko Ustolo from uh, Nokia Bella, uh, Finland, and leading a radio research department here. And uh, I've had the pleasure to be part of this uh, generation game uh, from in, a, in a key role from the initial stages of uh, 4G through it, as well as uh, 5G and uh, now with 6G. Uh, and uh, with uh, 6G, it certainly has already been time for some time to do initial research. And uh, in a similar time frame as with earlier generations, uh, it, it takes quite a long time. And we can go deeper why it takes its time. Uh, and uh, it has been then a pleasure uh, uh, to also come to the phase when industry and academia come together to create a joint momentum and start doing some pre-standardization and start uh, laying down the foundation of the new generation. And for that, uh, we proposed uh, this HEXA-X initiative that has been running now for almost two years. Uh, and uh, I've had the pleasure to lead this, and we recently also announced the continuation of this uh, as HexaX2 
where at the European level, 60 flagship, uh, we create the foundation and have also global impact. Oh dear. Okay, you've stopped talking, that's wonderful. We, we weren't quite clear if it was a glitch on the line or if you'd stopped talking so, so. Uh, that's, that's good to know it wasn't a glitch, actually. Then maybe I could ask Jacques, maybe you'll be kind enough to introduce yourself, sir. Yes, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, please, uh, I would like to apologize first for my voice, which is a little bit lost since yesterday. I hope you can still hear me. Um, so my name is uh, Jacques Magin. I am in, uh, in a small company called Australo. Uh, I am a senior project manager there. Um, I have been working, I think, at least as long as Miko in the telecom uh, sector, uh, having seen 3G, 4G, uh, 5G. Um, I have been involved in, uh, in the research uh, part or research domain in the telecom sector for more than 20 years. Uh, time to time, I also worked on other IT, uh, more applications-oriented uh, uh, applications. So uh, I have maybe a little bit uh, broader view than, than just uh, telecom. And uh, I mean, just if I want to say uh, a few words about the, the subject today, uh, uh, my view is that uh, I find the... Uh, um, the four and the six probably more exciting than the three and the five. So let's discuss that later. <laughs> Excellent, thank you. thank you. So I didn't realize this was gonna become a competition between the panelists of who's been longest in telecoms, but hey, we can have that discussion if people think that's important. Uh, maybe I could then ask Bernard. Yes, thank you, Colin, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. So my name is Bernard Barani. I belong to the European Commission DG Connect, uh, and I'm deputy head of unit in the so-called Future Connectivity Systems Unit, which is the unit where we are dealing with uh, 5G and now 6G policy. So my connection to uh, 6G in that context has been first to support for already three years now uh, the launch and the setup of the so-called uh, smart networks and services joint undertaking, which is a research initiative that we are supporting uh, from the uh, European Commission, European Union side, and which is a public-private partnership between uh, the public side, the Commission, and the uh, private side, represented by the so-called 6G Industry Association, which has these days about uh, 250 members, I believe. And more recently, uh, I have been responsible for setting up the uh, research and development program of this uh, initiative. So uh, we have been working quite a lot with industry on that. First work program, uh, which has led to the selection of 35 projects uh, recently uh, in uh, September this year. And now uh, working on the second work program, which will be launched uh, early next uh, year. So in addition to that, I'm also responsible for uh, preparing pre-standardization type of activities, international cooperations, and also pilot and demonstration uh, programs. And to come back to the remark of Miko, uh, I joined this generation game since the uh, 3G days. Excellent. It's good to see you're competitive, it, also on the experience front, Bernard. Thank you. Um, then <laughs> let me finish the round with uh, Hugo, please. Good uh, afternoon, everyone. I'm uh, Hugo Tullberg, uh, working for Ericsson Research in um, Stockholm. And Ericsson, as you know, is uh, a global vendor. 
Uh, so that explains a little bit uh, some of my current views. Uh, I've been in this game not particularly long, but I've uh, had the honor of being the technical manager of, of the METIS project, the EU project METIS, that was researching the 5D foundations that then continued on with METIS 2 and uh, standardization. And we're, as Colin said, now in the rollout and early experience phase of it. So, so this is a generation I hold very dear. Uh, at um, during my my normal working days, I have a, a wide span between uh, deep physical layer technologies up to use cases and so on. And I think that this is an interesting area to be in and uh, finding a balance between the technology push and the societal and use case pull and uh, striking a good balance as we're now continuing to uh, continue uh, continue to research the uh, continued um, development of 5D and going beyond 5D and towards 60. Thank you. Thank you, Hugo. So I think you'll uh, agree this is a very experienced panel and we cover a, a number of different views here, both from major vendors, but also from SMEs and from tool providers and also from the private side, the funding organization. So hopefully we will see the various different aspects of 6G as we go forward. Now, in the telecoms world, we have a lovely habit of first creating the name for something and then deciding what it means. And it was the same in 4G, 5G, and the same in 6G. So 6G is not defined. There are some visions, there are some ideas, but it's not, not defined yet, apart from we'll probably call it 6G. What I want to start with, however, is what can we learn from the 5G experience, actually, as we start this journey on 6G, as we, we start that first research? What can we learn? What can we improve? What mistakes did we make or what did we do well? And maybe because I made Hugo wait the longest in the first round, maybe we could start with you, sir, if you have some insights into things we could learn from the 5G experience. Well, we, we, we can learn a lot of things, but what I think is, uh, or my personal major takeaway is that uh, 5G was a generation when we made a conscious decision to involve new services, not only the traditional voice and what then in 4G became mobile broadband, but we also wanted to involve, uh, involve different machine type communications. And uh, that, was, that was a step. And when we're now saying that we have been seen two, three, and four, and five G and so on, that concerns the services that has been around since those generations. Whereas for for the new machine type services, massive and, and uh, ultra reliable, uh, this is not the fifth generation. This is actually the, the first generation where we have have those uh, services in uh, our cellular networks, and I think that. Uh, we should be humble that we should not expect everything to be perfect coming out of the 5G as it is now being rolled out. But we should uh, learn a lot from, from the early experiments uh, that is going around uh, in Europe and across the globe and see what we should bring with us with 60, in particular in these new services. Uh, that would be my first takeaway from, from the 5G development. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Miko, do you have some input on this question? 
Sure, yes. Uh, as Hugo was already saying, there is a lot to learn from 5G. And uh, one thing for looking at uh, 6G is that uh, first uh, we should uh, like uh, aim towards a completely new world and uh, think uh, from like uh, fr from a full empty table that uh, what would we really like to need and what uh, do we really need. And uh, th then uh, for 5G, the answer was that uh, we need a better mobile broadband, so more data for uh, uh, more people. And uh, uh, that uh, has been central for all generations and that we expect to continue through all the generations. Then Hugo was uh, raising this uh, uh, machine type uh, communication and there were two sides of it. There was the uh, how to get uh, a low amount of data from high amount of sensors and there was the aim of uh, getting a, a very reliable low latency connectivity. And th then it was later on noticed that uh, providing this uh, uh, small amount of data from high amount of sensors in an efficient way, that was mature enough uh, during the lifetime when we started developing the technology, we noticed it's mature enough already to be realized as part of 4G, whereas then the reliable went into later stages of 5G and uh, we should follow then also the same principle when we start developing that what we are wishing to have for 6G, that if we can deploy and implement some part of the technology already part of 4G, like this uh, uh, low amount of uh, uh, data from high sensors that we should do, and uh, th then uh, uh, like uh, use, use already opportunities and the developmental incremental role of the earlier generations and have the more revolutionary aspects uh, then at the time when we can deploy those. Thank you. Okay. Jacques, would you have something to say on this? Yes, <clears throat> actually, uh, I think that uh, 6G might be, again, more similar to 4G. The way I see 5G um, um, is more the less in terms of lessons learned and, and what we are seeing today is more like a transition from 4G to 6G somewhat. And I, I think it is, uh, uh, well, at least the way I see it, it's an attempt by the telecom sector uh, to better sell their technology uh, to the other industrial sectors than what we have been uh, doing in the past, where we were more focusing on, on telecom. Uh, and then the others were using, you know, the, the technology. I, I, I think with 5G, there was a, a voluntary uh, a, 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 a willingness from the telecom sector to try and show what this uh, 5G technology could do. But again, from my perspective, uh, when I look uh, at 6G, it's going to be more building up on 5G and 5G for me on 4G, sorry, and 5G for me is more a transition phase, which as Miko was highlighting, uh, and Hugo as well, is, is very important in terms of, of the development of the technology, uh, you know, going uh, from, from 4G to 5G and then to 6G. Thank you, sir. Uh, by the way, I think your new deeper voice is, is very good. I, I like it. I think it's quite, quite sexy. So well done, sir. Um, anyway, let's uh, leave personal comments out the way. And uh, Bernard, would you have something to say to this, sir? Yes, thank you, Colleen. Uh, just a few remarks on my side. Uh, 
As you said in your introductory statement, uh, 6G vision is not yet there. We are expecting a kind of a vision document from ITU next year, which will probably play the role of the so-called uh, recommendation M2083 that they produce for 5G. So once we have this vision, it's, a, it's probably going to be a very important document to frame the activities uh, globally. But I would say that uh, in addition to get a full vision, it would be also great if we could also work together globally to prepare also a full ecosystem. I mean, uh, in 5G, uh, different regions took different routes in terms of uh, priority services that they considered as, uh, let's say, the the way to go, uh, some were more vertical oriented, some were more uh, EMBB oriented, and uh, maybe we should try to have as much harmonization as we can globally uh, for the next generation in such a way that we don't end up with a prioritization at the level of 3GPP, which does reflect a certain interest of certain regions, but not necessarily uh, all the interest of all the actors. Uh, the second element uh, I would uh, talk about is this uh, 5G very early start with all sorts of announcements. We are not yet there. As you said, we are typically at the research stage now and we have no big, uh, bold announcement. Uh, we want to have 6G deployed by that date or by that Olympic Games. I think this is something we should really uh, value and valorize as much as we can to put forward the right vision and the right uh, technological choices. And one thing which in my view was very important in 5G that maybe we did a little bit too late uh, would be to bring the verticals into the picture as uh, early as possible in such a way that uh, we can really create uh, these ecosystems uh, in time and get uh, the best uh, experience from the potential users uh, rather than uh, involving them maybe uh, a little bit too late in the in the game. So that would be a few few ideas on my side on what we can learn from 5G. Super, thank you. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> makes it difficult after <clears throat> all these insights oh, you now. You don't have to say anything. Oh well, but I have something. Uh, I'm not fully convinced that 5G is a transition technology. I think every generation has been preparing the ground for the next one, so every generation could be considered as a transition. Um, I fully agree, we first need to get the vision in ITU, that is where a lot of people work on the vision, prepare the documentation, the frame work for this 6G, which is then IMT 2030, then and which also gives us the, the year. Basically, in 2030, we will not have 6G ready. So we will have it standardized. We will probably see the first implementation, but this will be the system for the 30s. So that will be the next 10 years to come. On the way, we still have to implement many things which have been defined for 5G. However, in the process, when we do the research for 6G, there might be quick wins. And standardization groups like 3GPP work on a much, I would say, faster and smaller granularity of time to standardize something which can be implemented after that. That means that if we see a quick win in our research, why not having it even before we call it 6G? Why not have it in 2025 or 2027, if this is a benefit, if this is on the way to 6G. So we will see a mixture how 5G develops into a 6G, but 6G will not be fully ready 2030 and will go on for the next 
10 years, maybe. Super, thank you, sir. Um, interesting you're mentioning 3GBP because for me, the two sort of things that we should learn is, I, I think uh, Bernard also mentioned it. Firstly, not try to artificially accelerate the standardization. It takes a certain period of time to create a quality standard. And we saw in 5G, we tried to accelerate because of certain interests to do that for some event or something else. And we saw what we did was we created something earlier but it wasn't a necessary quality you could actually use it. And in actual fact, it delayed the first version that was actually stable and you could use. And the second point, which no one else has mentioned, so I'll, even though I'm moderator, I will do, um, let's not have too many different architectural options. 5G, we, 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 we started off early in 5G mapping out all the possible different options for the architecture. With, with 4G, without 4G, 5G core, 4G core. Someone, actually someone from, a friend of mine from Deutsche Telekom, wrote a, a PowerPoint slide with all eight or ten different architectures with the idea we would select one to stabilize. What happened? We standardized them all. And so we have horrible complications and confusion. So let's try and avoid that. Okay, that's enough from the moderator. Oh, you wish to say something, yeah, yeah. please, sir. You're a panelist. Well, uh, on, on, the <laughs> other, yeah, on the other hand, uh, we also need not to forget to, uh, to see that uh, 6G is not a network on its own, at least in the beginning. Yeah. So there will always be a kind of uh, mixture with what we have already with 4G, 5G, and then with 6G, so we need handover with it. Uh, probably also operators have already different architecture, which then needs to be compatible with whatever yes. we do on 6G. And when you look into all the generations that we have, uh, mostly in Europe now, we are ready to switch off 3G. There's still a little bit of 2G, which we still need for some basic IoT devices, which we can reduce now, but we are afraid still to switch it off completely. So I think when we talk about 6G, there will still be a lot of 4G and definitely also 5G around. Fine. Okay, we, enough of 5G and 4G and 2G. We've, we've done those. Let's now concentrate on 6G. So the first question, which in some ways at this point is perhaps the most challenging, is why do we need 6G? So who can give me a rationale why we need 6G? Any of the panellists wish to jump in here on that? Ah, Miko, please go ahead. Yeah, so uh, also one could uh, ask that why do we need new technology? So uh, uh, we always uh, want to do things uh, better uh, in, in various uh, different ways. We want to have better performance. We want to have it at lower cost. We want to create opportunities to do something that we were not able to do before. And uh, then um, if we look at the world and the trends today, and uh, we, we have, of course, been paying lots of attention to, for example, energy efficiency, but uh, there is a lot more we could do in terms of uh, serving sustainability, not only in the energy efficiency way, but also in economic and social sustainability point of view. Uh, and uh, we, we should like make sure that uh, 6G and also uh, future versions of 5G, all of our technology, everything we do, is as sustainable as possible. And also with 6G, 
there is quite a lot of uh, interesting uh, studies ongoing that how could we help other sectors of society be more sustainable. And uh, if, if we look at the current uh, impact uh, from the different sectors of society, uh, so, so there are, there are areas uh, of uh, human operation in the society that are quite some challenges and are creating majority of the greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, with the help of 6C, we believe that we can also uh, bring the impact uh, on greenhouse gas emissions in those other sectors much lower than what they are today. Thank you, sir. Hugo, I believe you want to speak. Uh, well, it was actually uh, someone entering the room I'm sitting in. Oh, but, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's so difficult to distinguish. It's a collateral, it's oh. a collateral opportunity of, of saying a few things. Or, or, I think would, that, or that, would your family uh, like to speak on this? That's also fine. Huh? No, please uh, continue. Uh, well, yeah, uh, uh, that, that, that would give the teenager perspective and, and uh, where, where some things that they take for granted that we see as big technological achievements. But I think that uh, Mikko raised the sustainability aspect. And one thing that's possibly different with 60 and has been a little bit accelerated now, both by own choices and by external forces, no pun intended, is that there, there is a wider range of societal needs that, that I think that we're a little bit more susceptible to. And for, for 60, uh, at least for us in the telecoms industry, it's, it's new to not only speak of key performance indicators, but also of key value indicators and uh, aspects that we think are important for society and not only for, for the engineering aspect of it. So that could be a, a potential use of 60 to address societal needs that we believe are important. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Shaq. Yes, maybe I'm going to try and be a, a little bit more direct and pragmatic uh, as usual. Um, I, I see 6G as an opportunity for Europe uh, to come back to some areas where we are, say, almost absent today. Um, 4G, so the introduction or was in parallel with the introduction of the smartphones and so the emergence of all these new applications uh, that we see today, especially uh, uh, um, uh, the social networks and everything like this. I, I kind of see 6G uh, with new types of device emerging and therefore new types of applications. And I think that if in Europe we play the game in the right way, uh, starting today, you know, with the, with the research and the effort that we are putting into research, then we may have a chance to see uh, uh, some companies, you know, startups, SMEs, or uh, uh, larger companies, you know, uh, uh, come up with these new devices or new applications that will be enabled by 6G. Again, in, in 5G, as, as Bernard was saying, we have focused very much on those vertical sectors. Uh, I, I do not know how much they are going to adopt the 5G technology in whatever they are doing. If they do it, then of course 6G is going to continue on that trend 
but I do not know. I'm, I'm, at least on my, from my perspective, I'm not sure it, it's going to be a full success. Let's see. I hope so. Um, but again, 6G for me is the next stage in terms of opportunities for Europe and for uh, uh, doing more disruption in terms of uh, these new smart devices and, and the applications that will go with those. Super, thank you. Opportunities for Europe. I think that's a perfect cue to bring in Bernard. Yes, uh, uh, thank you. So just a few words on what uh, Hugo said. It's clear that from a European Commission perspective, sustainability element is really uh, top of our uh, list of priorities. Uh, and exactly the way he mentioned, that means try to move towards more energy efficient, sustainable platforms from the networking side, but also use these platforms to help greening or uh, decreasing the carbon footprint of, of the vertical use cases which are running on top of it. I mean, a typical case would be uh, connected uh, cars where you can, by uh, having an intelligent use of the connectivity, uh, reduce the energy consumption of the car, be it, be it fuel or, or electricity. But this type of business uh, cases, we believe, are very important to develop for the, for the future. Now, on what Jack said, uh, we uh, fully agree that in, in our understanding, Every generation, new generation comes with basically two legs, one leg which is improving the capabilities of the previous generation and another leg which is uh, making possible completely new breed of uh, applications that were not really possible with the previous uh, generations. And on this uh, side of the totally new breed of generations, there are quite a few ideas now which are uh, being developed by a project like ExaX, for instance, and uh, Miko is probably a super well placed to talk about it, but we can see that in the vision that we are discussing today uh, all over the world, uh, one thing that comes uh, very much prominently in these, in these visions is the use of, uh, let's say, highly or super immersive environments, which are beyond XR or augmented reality type of applications, which is based on massive digital twinning of the physical world, added with intelligence, which helps to take actions uh, uh, in, uh, on the physical world through its uh, digital representation. And if you make a few computations, you easily uh, realize that uh, when you go for massive twinning, you need the capacity capabilities, uh, edge computing capabilities, which are potentially beyond the capabilities of 5G today. So there is this aspect, which again will be somewhere in the blurred zone between 5G and 6G, because some of it is already possible with 5G. I mean, extended reality is not going necessarily to wait for 6G to happen. But let's say that the massive use of these type of applications and the uh, scale up of these type of applications is probably something that will require this uh, 6G uh, vision and this 6G type of uh, approach. And this is what we are uh, working on at this moment in time with the stakeholders to try to cement this vision and to see what are the technologies behind to make it uh, to make it happen. Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, fully agree to it. And I, I think it's exactly this mixture that we have the possibilities that are already there. So to enhance it, to make it better, more efficient, to bring in new capabilities. And at the end of the day, I mean, we need to package that up to fulfill this vision which was developed. And this package we will call 6G. But there will be much more on the way. So I see it quite natural that we have a continuous development, a continuous improvement. But at the end of the day, we need to do one step where we say from that capability from this feature set, we can call it 6G. Okay. 
sorry, uh, it wasn't that I was. I was just a little bit disappointed you were agreeing with all the rest of the, the panels because, you know, we saw in the previous panel, it's very much more interesting when you have a certain amount of disagreement, but that's fine. No, I, I tend to agree. Okay, we're unfortunately rapidly running out of time, and I've got about 26 different directions I could take the panel now, lots of different, different questions, but maybe in the time available, and, and maybe if we could keep it relatively short so we can go to questions from the audience. Um, what's going to be really new about 6G? So everyone in the room understands 5G. We're all using it, I'm sure. So what's actually new, really new with 6G? Obviously, we're talking theoretically here because... We don't have 6G. But what, what exciting areas might there be? Mikko, please go ahead. Yes, uh, already Bernard was a bit uh, telling about this, uh, being able to be present uh, so, so that we could have a, a human or set of humans uh, co in connection with uh, any location, uh, with uh, any available senses, uh, and uh, be also connected with, uh, for example, with the digital world. So we see that 6G will be connecting physical, digital, and human worlds. And uh, so humans could be embedded in the digital world, embedded in an environment that doesn't exist in physical reality anywhere, but still experience and manipulate, operate with that, uh, also to test it before it would be physically realized. People could be with this remote physical presence, uh, they could, for example, be in the middle of some cultural event, some concert, uh, some, some, uh, uh, some sports event, uh, anywhere in the area, real time, just like they would in reality be there. Uh, uh, and uh, th this would uh, kind of open up uh, quite some possibilities for enhanced uh, remote uh, interaction. Thank you for that very interesting view. Does anyone wish to add something or to... Sure. Yes, actually, uh, what Nico says is, is exactly what, what I have in mind as well. I think if we have this same panel in 10 years from now, it's going to be quite a different panel. And probably I would not be looking at my uh, 2D screen uh, using my keyboard and my mouse, you know. And uh, I, I could, I would say, be virtually in the same room as, as you are, you know, and maybe you wouldn't be in the room either. I don't know, you know, <laughs> this is a future that has been described by Isaac Asimov, you know, where no one was moving, you know, everyone was just staying at home, but still we, we were there. I'm, I'm not sure it's the right way to go, but it's, I think six, 5G and 6G uh, is, is on the way to enabling that type of thing, you know, and uh, again, this is what we can perceive today with the things we know today. But I am more than convinced that there will be new things uh, appearing, new types of applications that we cannot even think of today. You know, who could think of, uh, of, of, of Facebook or Instagram, you know, 15 years ago? I'm sure that, you know, there will be such kind of applications uh, that will appear. And, and they will appear because they will be enabled by the technologies that we are developing now. Very good point, sir. Very good point. We're ten we've got 10 years until we deploy. Clearly, there is much time to create new technology and create new services around that. Hugo? Um, yeah, uh, in, 
in uh, your challenge for opposing views. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I think that, well, first, uh, a non-opposing view is, is tying into what Jacques was saying that, well, we're technologists, we're building the platform and some, some teenagers will have to come up with the applications and use cases because we're too old to figure those out. Uh, and then I think that if, well, video is all fine and good. We have goggles; they're a little bit clumsy, but we, we have we have so many cases in video, uh, so we can't really use them anymore. What I what I miss from traveling to real worlds is is the smell of streets and beaches and the wind on my skin when I'm out walking. So I think that we need to work a little bit on on other sensor parts. Uh, and seeing you guys is great, but but smelling Riga would have been even better. Thank you. Thanks, Hugo. Uh, it depends where you're smelling Riga, but let's let's not go there right now. Uh, Bernard, did you wish to add something on this subject? Well, I think many things have been said already. Yeah. Uh, I think my my understanding is that when I look at what's happening today in the various research program and the various initiatives in the world, it seems that. There is a lot of uh, expectations from artificial intelligence and from bringing intelligence into the network. So uh, the future is about uh, connected intelligence that to a certain extent provides the capability to act on the, uh, the on the physical world through digital representation. So that would be really something uh, yeah. extremely new and extremely innovative uh, capabilities. Now, how far this promise of artificial intelligence is going to realize and how far is it going to be compatible with the sustainability objectives, for instance, because artificial intelligence probably consumes a hell of a lot of energy. So this is something which is totally, my understanding, in the research domain at this moment in time. And we have to see how far we can push the vision whilst at the same time meeting the requirements. And uh, all this to me is not uh, clear at this, moment, uh, at this moment in time. Another element that uh, maybe uh, Jack hinted at is this um, opportunities for Europe uh, element. Uh, our understanding is that the future, and this is more an industry perspective from seen from our side, uh, future networks will probably be implemented more and more. The trend started with 5G uh, across heterogeneous domains. So you can have bits and pieces of the network implemented by a CSP, another one by an hyperscaler, another one by a vertical. And to keep uh, uh, all this uh, uh, under, let's say, uh, an end-to-end -end visibility, which uh, keeps the high level of security, the high level of performance uh, that you can expect from a more compact and less distributed infrastructure, is going to be probably something new compared to what we have uh, what we have today. But this is something that the user does not necessarily see. But this is something we have to think about uh, in terms of engineering and in terms of. Uh, uh, architecture of the uh, various uh, components. Okay, we're running out of time, I'm afraid, people. We haven't even asked the audience, but, but perhaps yeah, you could keep maybe, it short. Maybe, so. Yeah, really a short remark to that, not with a new fancy application, but <clears throat> maybe some of them would have been possible with all the technology, but maybe just for one or two people in the room. And yeah. now we want to enable everybody to use it at the same point of time, so we need to get more efficient, and this we can only get with new technology. Super, yeah. Uh, so quickly, uh, do you want to do online or do you want to do on, on um, audience? Or so what? I have one on, on the platform. Okay. We have to encourage people to use technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. Yes. Yeah. First, I'd like to uh, react on the ball. Uh, 6G networks, myths, truths, and the way forward. 
When do you expect the first deployments of the 6G network? Although you said the correct answer, yep. we still have some doubts on that. Because 57% uh, would go with 2030, then 17% would go either with 35 or 25, and 9% thinks uh, maybe 2040. Yes, the best. Okay. Then we have a question, and the question goes like this. Why not just say that 6G is a way to transmit and receive even more data in a given bandwidth than the way 5G transmits, receives? And to say a few words about the physical differences in 5G and 6G transmission reception. That's uh, uh, Arnis is uh, asking or saying. Okay, this is a, a quite a technical thing, and uh, obviously just, ha just saying it, it's more efficient in itself is not necessarily justification, but Uwe, please, we can start with you. Yeah, maybe, uh, just uh, there are a couple of new things than just receiving and transmitting. Uh, we touched that even with 5G, we had also lower latency for ultra-reliable low latency, that was a new quality. Uh, for 6G, we will have also new qualities like uh, joint... Uh, communication and sensing, so there will also be a part which, well, one could say a radar application, which is combined with the communication itself, so it's more than just the receiving and the sending of data. So it's not like just a little bit more of 5G? No, no, and it needs to be more than just a bit more. Uh, forgive me, we've got very little time, but Miko, maybe you could have a short intervention, sir. Yeah, at least uh, one key thing here is that uh, there is uh, new kinds of uh, very important challenges. Uh, we already talked about this sustainability. So how can we also transmit uh, these uh, bits uh, so that uh, we, we are uh, much more energy efficient, uh, producing much less greenhouse gases? How can we, by transmitting bits, help other sectors of society be more sustainable? That's one key thing. If you go to technology itself, uh, we can use uh, more spectrum, we can use more antennas, we can use more efficient uh, technologies for transmitting more data per bit per hertz, but uh, maybe no time to go that. Yes, I I'm afraid I need to pull things to a close there. I apologise I haven't given the panellists enough time to answer and also the audience not enough questions. I hope you'll agree that at least we've covered some of the key topics, so we've tried to explain why 6G research, it's right to start it now. We've tried to give some idea of timeline. We've tried to give some idea of what 6G will change. And I think the key point to say is we really do believe it will be key to our digitalization going forward. So 5G now, 5G advanced in the near future, 6G going forward. And we need to have a clear strategy in Europe we need to have leadership, we need to have access to this technology, and we all need to work together to make that possible. And with that, I'd like to thank all the panelists for their excellent inter intervention and hand back to the host. Thank you, Colin.